0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at BethanyNaz.org.
1: It's Advent. Let me let me show you a picture, okay? Put it on the screen for you. And uh, this is a nativity set. Um, So when when I look at the picture, and um, I see the manger, and I see well, shepherds, maybe not. Maybe an angel, and I see a mom, a dad, um, and some animals. It, it's something that we do. We, we set these things out at this time of the year. And, and we set them out because it reminds us, it reminds us of when God became a man. When God humbled Himself and took on the form of human likeness, He became a servant. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Wow. So when the Hebrew writer writes, here's here's what he says. In the past, God spoke to us. Through the prophets, at many times... And in various ways. So what does he mean when he says various ways? Well, he's obviously talking about times like when God spoke through a burning bush to Moses. Okay, that's that's probably various enough for me. And so in these last days, he says, he's spoken to us through his Son, through Jesus. And And he goes on to say that Jesus not only revealed to us the will of God... But Jesus is the radiance of His glory and He is the exact representation of His being. And so when we see Jesus, not only do we hear Him speak about what God's will is, but we see the very nature of God through Christ. God revealed Himself. Made Himself known. And so it just kind of... Is amazing to me when I think about one day Jesus is with disciples and the disciples say to Jesus, Why don't you show us God? That's enough for us. That's, that's, that's what we really want. Just show us what God's like. And Jesus says, Philip, I've been with you all of this time and you don't yet know what God's like? If you've seen me, Philip... You have seen the Father. And so your mind just begins to flood about these instances where Jesus is one day feeling pretty heavy because of the death of His cousin, John the Baptist. And so He wants to go away to this quiet place, but there are thousands of people following Him. And Jesus runs into the crowd when the people are saying, the disciples are saying, you should run the other direction. Instead, He runs into the crowd and He spends the day healing people. And And it says, if Jesus is saying to us in that moment, "This, this is what God's like. Or when blind people come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to see. And Jesus says, do you believe I'm able to do it? And they said, yes, we believe you're able. And Jesus says, well, then receive your sight. And they walk away seeing. And Jesus says, see, this is what God's like. Or when little kids are running up to Jesus and the disciples are saying... Get the kids back. We're trying to have the kingdom for heaven's sakes. And Jesus says, no, let them come. And they're climbing on him and climbing over him. And they end up in his lap and he cuddles them. And Jesus says, see, this is what God's like right here. And the goal has always been, the calling has always been, that you and I become holy The words of Scripture are these. Be holy like God is holy. And now here's this example in Jesus, all right? What does that look like? Here's what it looks like in everyday life. Follow the pattern, the example that Jesus has given you because Jesus is revealing the nature of God. This is what it means to be like God. Be like Jesus. So, it's Christ-likeness. In your relationships with each other, you should have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And the goal has always been that the Holy Spirit would transform you into the image of Jesus. I, I wonder sometimes what my view of God would be had I never seen a picture of Jesus in the Scriptures. And so what I want to do with you over these next few weeks is just talk about becoming more like Jesus. To love like Jesus loved. It always interests me that Jesus didn't just love back. He loved people who did not love him. And, and you had this Jesus who people were very attracted to. Even people who didn't follow him were attracted to him. Still today, people who don't follow him are attracted to him because he had such compassion. And he never passed up an opportunity to forgive. And he loved people so deeply. And so I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Philippians, okay? Chapter 2. And we're going to stay in this little section of Scripture for about three weeks here. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, okay? So there is a guy whose name is Paul who is a slash missionary slash tent maker who has been thrown into prison basically because he can't stop telling people about Jesus because of his faith in Jesus. And what happens with Paul is that while he's in prison, he dictates a letter. And, And he dictates the letter to this small band of believers in a place called Philippi. Who are, who are undergoing persecution because of their faith. So you may remember why he writes the letter. Uh, he, he writes to encourage them uh, about a few things. He writes to give them thanks for a gift they've given him. But then there's kind of this bigger overriding issue. Do you remember what it is that he writes to them about? They are divided because they disagree on a few issues. And he wants to talk to them about, about the fact that there is division among them and, and what they should do about that division among them. And he addresses it here in chapter 2, verse 1 of the book of Philippians. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ. I mean, if, if you feel really good about it, if you, if you if you're blessed, if you, if you feel encouragement about the fact that you're in Jesus. If any comfort from his love. If any common sharing in the Spirit. Are you partners in the Spirit? If any tenderness and compassion. These are really really rhetorical questions. If any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in Spirit and one in mind. You might say, how do you, how do, you do that? I, th- I think these are good good instructional words here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Just be like Jesus so let's let's talk for a few minutes okay about about this, and, and let's let's think about it in terms of where we're living today. Um, I know that most of you probably don't want to talk about politics, but I think we should talk about politics for a few minutes, okay? The reason I think we should talk about politics for a few minutes is because I think it's one of the most divisive things in, in our world right now. Um, I, I, I think that it's divisive, um, you know, sometimes between believers and people who aren't believers, but I think it's really becoming divisive within the body of believers as well. That, that's why I think we should talk about it for a few minutes today. I think all of us struggle at some point with being right or winning an argument. And I think as we struggle about being right or winning the argument, sometimes it takes precedence over relationships with others. I think that we are tempted at times to be right or win an argument. And let that come in the way of relationships with others, so Annette and I and Morgan went to Houston this past week to share Thanksgiving with some friends and on our way back from Houston yesterday um, we 've kind of Annette has kind of wanted to be honest to stop at this place in Waco called Magnolia Market maybe it 's a reality television show kind of thing, and they they do fixing up homes, but they have this Store and, and it's almost like an amusement park kind of place in a way. And so we're there and, and uh, I'm waiting in line, which is what I did most of the time that I was there. I waited in line. We wanted to go on a time when it wasn't real busy, so we chose a holiday weekend. We thought that would make a lot of sense. And so I'm standing there in line while Morgan and Annette are shopping, waiting on some food. And there's some people standing there by me. And they're talking about this whole thing and how crazy it is. And that just by being a reality tv star you know you have all of this happening and they said you know and who knows where it will take them from here and i said yeah they may one day become the president of the united states who knows i mean it could happen that happens to reality tv stars and so so we're talking and i said you know the thing that concerns me most i thought i would get a bigger laugh than that but i did not but that's okay (laughs) the thing that concerns me most maybe it was timing sometimes timing isn't good the thing that concerns me most i said to them and these are complete strangers i said is the division that I sense in our country. And they said, Yeah, we agree. It's not good. And I said, I don't know what your political views are. I just met you. But I would hate to think that one day I would feel differently about you, treat you differently, because we don't share the same political values. And they're looking at me, saying, Yeah, yeah that yeah, I think that's true. I didn't get all the encouragement I was hoping to get. So somewhere along the way we have to come to a place and I think this is what Paul is calling the Philippians to a place that says it's okay to be passionate about beliefs. But this idea that if we disagree, then we must divide, it has to go away completely. It's okay to say that I can be very passionate, very passionate about what I believe and very committed to what I believe. But when I come to the place that's saying, and if you don't agree with me, then we don't have any, we don't have anything in common and we don't have any fellowship with one another. Because what the world definitely needs desperately is more love that unites us and less hate that divides us. So Lou, come and, and stand just right down here. Will you do that for me, Louis? Rita, would you wake Louis up and ask him if he would come and stand over here for me? <laughs> Thank you, Lou, just right here. I know I kind of caught you off guard. Uh, Mr. Tabor, would you come and stand right here? So I don't, I, I, maybe I should have asked this in advance, but but there were divisions. You guys don't have any any history of bad blood do you because if you do i'm gonna make it really awkward for you in front of the whole church you guys are okay so what paul is doing is he realizes that he has people in the same church and what's going on is they are disagreeing about some issues that they think is really important okay what they have said is we have both read the scriptures and i don't see how in the world you can believe that this is okay And the other guy said, well, I've read the Scriptures, and I don't see how in the world you think this is okay. And so what Paul does is he makes this passionate plea to them. And he says, if there is any encouragement in you, Lou, about being united with Christ, there is, right? And isn't there encouragement in you about, you know, finding comfort in the love of Jesus? And isn't there tenderness and compassion? And aren't you guys partners in the Spirit? He's really asking rhetorical questions, saying... Isn't this who you are? Then could you just be like-minded when it comes to love? Okay, you you can sit down. Thank you so much. Can't you just... Can't you just be like-minded when it comes to love? I, I don't think there is any sense where Paul is making this ridiculous request that says, Lou, would you just... Decide to agree with him, no matter what it is. Would, would you just agree to disagree here, no matter what? Just check your opinion and your beliefs and your convictions at the door and just say i 'll agree with i don 't think that 's what he 's asking by any means I, I think it's what he 's saying is can you can you love each other in spite of your disagreements see I, I think there's probably a little tension in here. Because man, if you want to get me fired up, you know, get me on a couple of issues that I felt passionate about. And when somebody can't see this like I see it, I'm like, how in the world can you read the same Bible that I'm reading and not get it? The early church had this situation where they were being attacked externally, okay? So there are people who are against them even following Jesus and and they are being persecuted by their faith and so they have all this external opposition. How do they go on under the threat of persecution? I don't know how you do that. They may break into your home and rip your wife and your kids from you. They may take your life. How do you live with that kind of pressure? But guess what? They've got other opposition. And guess where the other opposition is coming from? It's coming from within the body. And and I just want to yell back in history and say, what are you thinking? You are being persecuted for heaven's sake. Figure out how to get along. You need each other. But when I translate that in today's world, I I can kind of get it. We're We're not disagreeing over the same issues. I mean, they're disagreeing over things like food being sacrificed to idols. Should you eat that? Should you not? What about circumcision? Is it a mandate or is it not? Even if you're not Jew, if you're a Gentile. Hey, let's get into a bigger argument. Can Gentiles actually follow Jesus and be saved? I mean, those were the kinds of things they were bantering over. And Paul calls them to unity. Not that you will ever agree on everything. But what about loving each other? Deeply. From your hearts, in spite of your differences. You see, our identity is not in our political views. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in that we love like Jesus loved. And Jesus says these words in John 13, as I've loved you, you should love one another. And this is the way that the world will know that you follow me, by your love for one another. And what happens in the early church is this incredible phenomenon where people begin to say, wow, look at these Christians and how they love each other. They were known for that very trait. People were attracted to that community because in spite of disagreements, they loved each other. Anybody catch the news? The Chicago Cubs won the World Series last month. I am not a Cubs fan. I do enjoy kind of bantering back with people when it comes to sports. And I think that's fun and healthy and good. But I guess if sports comes to the point or competition comes to the point that I value competition more than I value relationships, then I've I've crossed the line, right? Right? So how do you, how do you live this way? What do you, what do you do with all of this? I remember one day, my buddy and I were out of town, we were on vacation, and we, we left our wives early that morning and, and went to play golf, and, uh, so that we could make sure to get back in time to go shopping. And, uh, and so we, uh, we got paired up with this guy. He was a super nice guy and really enjoyed conversation with him. I mean, it was, it was great. And, uh, and and we were enjoying you know talking to him and and uh finally um i asked him at one point i said uh, you mentioned you have teenage sons do they play golf and he goes oh yeah they play golf and they play tennis only individual sports i said oh okay he goes yeah never allowed them to play team sports i said you didn't he says nope you know, I decided my kids aren't going to suffer because another teammate didn't prepare well. My kids weren't going to lose a game because a teammate didn't give it their full heart. So our kids only play individual sports tennis, golf, swimming, individual sports. I, did, I didn't give him my opinion. Could I say this? Following Jesus is a team sport. Can okay, I'm going to add a little more to it, see if I can still get an amen. All of us followers of Jesus are in this together. Yeah. And we've got a goal that we're working toward. We want to help people come to know Jesus, right? We want to help people become like Jesus. We know what the goal is. We're not by ourselves. You remember the story? Acts 16, Paul's on a second missionary journey. He fills his calling. He ends up in a town called Philippi at one point, named after... Very good, Philip. Father of Alexander the Great. Begins to witness to people, share with them about Jesus. The charter members are Lydia and her household. She sold purple, a merchant, a little girl that was possessed by demon, demonic spirit, where she could tell the future. He cast the demon out of her. She becomes one of the charter members and a jailer whose life was pretty shaken when the jail was shaken in his family. And he writes them to say thanks for the gift And Epaphroditus is okay and he's coming back. I know you've been concerned about him. Let me encourage you. I know you're undergoing persecution. And by the way, let's talk about this fact that you guys are not agreeing on things and it is causing divisions among you. We can't function this way. What kind of witness can we possibly have if we are divided? And how will we ever see the dream become reality if we can't get together? And so let's work together. And so here's what he does. Here's how. Do nothing. Do nothing? Absolutely nothing, he says. Out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others better than yourselves, not looking to your own interest but to the interest of others. Let me interpret that for you today, okay? You ready? You're going to love this. Here we go. Christmas is not your birthday. (laughs) I know. We've made it all about us. Look what I'm getting for Christmas. No, it's not your birthday. The whole world is not about you. All of life is not about you. There's this other way to consider living life. When you say, you know what? I'm going to put others in front of me. I'm going to consider their feelings, their thoughts, etc. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to decide in my heart that you matter, and I'm going to live as if you matter more than I matter. Because Christmas is not my birthday. It's about Jesus coming into our lives, telling us about this other way to live. So just dream with me, okay? I'm done. I'll finish up right here. But just dream with me for a minute, okay? Jesus comes. What does He preach? He preaches the kingdom of God is at hand. There is another way to do life. There's another way to think about living. And that way is where you put others first. And you love your neighbor, even if you disagree. And you find unity in the spirit and in your faith and in your love for the Lord. And you march together as a mighty army to defeat the real enemy. Boy, that's a great dream. So, it's Advent. And uh, in Advent, um, we wait, right? It's anticipation. Once in a while, I'll, I'll see a, a young mother-to-be who is just full of life. I mean full of life. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> full of life. And, and I'll say, how you, how you doing? She goes, oh, I'm, I'm ready for this to be over been waiting for 9 months and I am ready and and I think that's what advent is it's waiting for a baby to be born and it's this expectation that when Jesus comes he's going to change our hearts and he's going to set wrongs right and He's going to fill us with love, and we're going to become more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well. Okay. You want to You want to stand with me? We're going to sing together before we go this morning. And um, I think it goes without saying. Uh, there's there's altars here and. We often pray at these altars, and you always are welcome to come and pray here. That's always available to you, for whatever reason you would need. So let's celebrate the fact that Jesus is coming. We
0: each could tell a story from here in kindness and humility and compassion, bearing the love of Christ wherever you go and be his hands and feet. God bless you. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.